Magic Maker, have you ever met someone in real life or online and immediately just been like, I like you. You seem like a smart cookie. I want to be your friend. (laughs) Well, that's how it was with myself and my guest on the podcast today. She's kind of business famous. You may have already heard of her. Her name is Brittany Crystal, and she is a personal branding and growth expert with almost a decade of experience in personal branding and content strategy. And that's not just lip service, by the way. She's worked with some (laughs) insane heavy hitters like, oh, gee, I don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Marie Forleo. Tom Bilyeu, just to name a few. I'll I'll wait if you want to go grab a broom to sweep up those names I just dropped. She is an expert at asking people the right questions to help them understand that developing a personal brand really is the foundation that every single successful entrepreneur needs. It truly affects every area of your business. I personally have taken her clarity course, which is all about helping you build a personal brand or pivot. If that's something that you find yourself wanting to do, because here's the thing, when you're crystal clear about exactly what you bring to the table, your competition becomes irrelevant. Brittany's also the host of a top rated podcast called beyond influential I was a guest on it a few months ago and you should totally go listen to my episode. But the bottom line is Brittany knows what the fuck she's talking about. So (laughs) please, please, please give her a warm welcome to find your magic and get ready to start thinking a little bit differently about your personal brand and how you want to show up in the world. And if that personal brand is actually profitable. So let's get into this amazing conversation with my girl, Brittany Crystal. Brittany, 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 what a journey it has been for us to get here to my podcast, Find Your Magic, after meeting on your podcast, Beyond Influential. So thanks for returning the favor, girl. Well, thank you so much for having me. I was so excited that you started a podcast because I definitely feel like this is a natural medium for you. And I'm just really excited to be here. Thank you for asking me. Woohoo! You guys are in luck because Brittany is by far one of the smartest entrepreneurs that I know. She's been able to build her empire, shall we say, um, from nice the ground me. up. No, you you are like a North Star. You are such an inspiration. And I love if we start at the very beginning, as Maria mm. Von Trapp says, a very good place to start. And talk about your decision to leave law and make your way into like the first iteration of what you're doing now. Okay. So just for context, I was in law school during, I guess, the last recession. So I went to law school starting like 2007, graduated 2010. And I just want to know that I just want everyone to know that like what I do now did not exist and it didn't exist in this, like being an entrepreneur and, and doing anything related to what I do now, like that wasn't even a thought. I went to law school because that was the safe thing to do. I was, you know, when a great student was really good. I read a lot, like verbal acuity was high. 
people are like, okay, lawyer. I want verbal to work- acuity. The fact that you even use the phrase verbal acuity I'm, is nerds. I'm a night. nerd. Listen, so I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. I was always a good student that way. And I just, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, what's, I, I had pra- impractical dreams probably that were then made practical. So my father's an, and it's funny because I didn't think about it till later, but he's a doctor, he's an ophthalmologist, like an eye surgeon, but he has his, he has his own practice. He works for himself. Yeah. But the safe thing is to go work for like a big company, go work for someone else. Like that seemed, that was the dream. My mother's from Guatemala. And so she came over that, you know, it's like she came over, my grandmother brought her over when, you know, she was like 18 and they started their own business. I come from an entrepreneurial background, but everybody was like, no, go to school. Education's the way that's the safe thing. You go to school, you go work you know, at a big firm or whatever. That's and so, so I had those- interesting thinking about it that way, because I've never thought about it that way. My mom was a therapist and she was in her own practice mm-hmm. and my dad was a builder and he had his own contracting company. And I never yep. really put two and two together that those are both very entrepreneurial. I always sort yeah, of felt I like, oh, that's more later. of a traditional path, but wow, wow. <laughs> mind blown continue (laughs) yeah so I was so basically like I wanted to work at I'm from LA so I wanted to work I know you worked in entertainment for a bit but you were on the acting side I was like okay I'm probably more businessy I want to be like maybe an agent or something represent whoever I would have loved if you had been an agent my god (laughs) so I worked at an agency we'll talk about that in a second but I was like okay maybe I want to go into you know entertainment in some capacity. I knew I wasn't going to be an actor or actress, but like maybe from the business end, I love television, decide what goes on TV. And you know, the response I got, my parents were like, entertainment lawyer. You want to be then an entertainment lawyer? Because the thing is, and this I think is this the is the palatable package in which we will accept you going into this business. Like I, I know in my high school yearbook, in my senior, like on the senior pages, people were like, oh, when you become an entertainment lawyer, like lawyer was going to be, lawyer was like the pushed on path because that was going to be the safe path to Mm. making money. Later on, you find out that nothing is safe, but they thought that they, like they were like, you don't want to be an agent. People will steal your clients. Like you want something safe. And I think the, the thinking there, aside from just like the like boomer mentality of like (laughs) going to work for somebody and that being safe and education being the path was I did get the importance of a niche. So my parents were trying to emphasize to me, and here's the thing, I think that sometimes the message isn't always delivered in the best way, mm-hmm. but parents are trying to protect you. But the thought was have develop an expertise. I think the push to the law was you'll have an expertise that you can take anywhere that nobody can take away from you. And an expertise is valuable. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what the message was, but that totally. That wasn't totally what I got, but I got the idea that it's like, okay, well, I need to have something that's, that's like my own knowledge. So it's like, okay, law. So I, you know, I go to college, I graduate early because I'm a nerd, <laughs> end up going to Georgetown for law school. And I just knew that it was wrong. I, yeah. I love the people I met there. I hated it. I just didn't like, I wasn't interested in the material at all. Yeah. And I couldn't see myself doing it. And I kept hearing like, oh, well, nobody likes, you know, nobody likes law school. Like you'll like the practice of it. And then I had two summers in firms and this was also at the time the economy was tanking. So I think yeah, what been- a time, what a time to, gra- I graduated in 09. So I'm right there behind you. It was not a great market to graduate into. 
No, but in a way been... sort of forced us to get creative, right? A hundred percent. It would have been way harder to walk away. It would have been way harder to walk away. And the thing is I got before, before this, prior to that, like if, if I was in law school and, you know, a few years before you're guaranteed like these summer jobs at these big firms, you're wined and dined or whatever, and kind of locked into these, they're six figure contracts. They're great right. salaries, but you're going to work for them and you're going to work oh, yeah. really hard. And that's, that's kind of the path. And it's and way worse if it's work that you hate. Like it's not just working really hard 80 hours a week at something. It's something you actively don't like at that point. Yes. So I got to see the reality of that pretty early. I ended up at a firm that, and no offense to them, because I actually am still friendly with a lot of the lawyers that I work with. I do like lawyers. Like I like their personalities. I thought they were, you know, really insightful and great, but I was there in this firm during the second summer. And I was like, both summers actually. And I was like, I don't see, basically I didn't see anything that I aspired to. I was miserable and I was working on cases that I didn't want to be working on. I'm like, I can't imagine this being my career. Like this can't be my life. And I had that whole, like, I've been working so hard, working so hard, thinking I'm one thing. Mm. And now all of a sudden I'm having like a quarter life crisis early or I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, this sucks. What am I going to do? How lucky for you to have it early like that. That's so nice. did not feel lucky at the time. (laughs) No, it never does. Never does. Hindsight's 2020 for sure. Yeah. So I just took the time though to, I wasn't going to quit law school. I knew that there was something to having the degree. I passed the bar in New York because I wanted to have something that I knew nobody could take away from me. And that actually ended up being very valuable for me because I think in a market like, like the one we're in now where anybody can kind of be anything, which I think is fantastic. That degree has been assigned to people that I can commit and take things seriously. And it is a, you know, it's a certain indicator of confidence that whether that's true or not, but no, it is. It absolutely is. So you know how when someone is in business for a while and you ask them like, what's the one thing you wish you had done sooner? My answer is I wish I had migrated all of the different platforms that I was using to Kajabi way sooner than I did. I dragged my feet because I was nervous. Technology was intimidating to me. I was totally on my own. I didn't have a team. And when I finally pulled the trigger and signed up for Kajabi, you guys, it was like night and freaking day. They have the best customer service that I've ever experienced. They have a incredible like video library and knowledge base. So any question you have, there's like little videos that show you exactly how to do things. And if you can't figure it out from the videos, you can chat with a customer support rep right there in real time. I'm telling you, like, it's not just for online course programs. When you hear Kajabi, you probably are thinking of their online courses or hosting an online course but it is so much more than that. I have all of my templates on there. It handles all of my payments for me. It like, whenever somebody buys something, it just goes right into my bank account. I handle all my emails from there, all of my marketing funnels, opt-ins, landing pages, you name it. I do it on Kajabi. They're offering a free 30 day trial to find your magic listeners right now. 
to check that out and read more about the platform, go to kelseyforemost.com slash Kajabi. That's kelseyforemost.com slash K-A-J-A-B-I. I think, I think actually that's a really great point that a lot of us sort of feel like, oh, we wasted time on this particular degree, or I wasted time at this particular job or this particular internship. And the truth is we've said it before. We'll say it again many times that no time is ever wasted. And honestly, no project is ever wasted because I mean, I think back to, I was just talking about this the other day. I had a random ass food blog which is like not at all what I ended up doing. I had like a very brief stint in culinary school because I thought maybe that would be a thing that I liked because it was creative and hey, you get to eat all day, right? That was what I thought, right? (laughs) And I had this really ridiculous nerdy food blog and did I end up needing that? And did I end up needing the food piece at all in my career? No, but you know what that did? It taught me how to write and it taught me how to write on a schedule. And for the longest time, I thought like, oh, I wasted so much time, like building this food blog for two years that I never did anything with. And now I look back and go, thank God that was my training wheels. And now I understand how to actually like keep up a blog that and content and releasing words out into the world. And now I am a writer full time. So no time's ever wasted. That is a hundred percent true. I definitely learned it's not like specific things I learned in law school. I think, I think the things that I was naturally good at are the reasons people thought I should be in law school. Yeah. But it definitely helped in that perspective. And my best classes were I actually did take an entrepreneurship class and a negotiations class. And those, I think what I'm I, impressed like, that existed, frankly, it did. And it, it it was interesting because I was so, I think like startups, startups were a thing and I was kind of paying attention, but not so much, but I was like, oh, this seems interesting. I was always interested in, it was like generally in quotes, like business. Mm -hmm. I knew that I had something like a strategic brain, Mm -hmm. not necessarily where to apply it. My interest was entertainment. Law was kind of the thing that was the in quotes safe thing, which of course also that was the lesson I learned in 2008 was that it's not safe. Because yeah. all of these people, all of these huge firms were shutting down their programs. Everybody was freaking out. So it's like, oh, this isn't even, it was nice to know that that wasn't a safe career even necessarily right That's away. such a good point. That's such a good point. But I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur after that. Like I graduated <laughs> and then I was like, okay, like I have this degree. I'm going to go work. I want to go try to work in entertainment. And so I moved back to LA I moved back and forth between like DC and then New York and LA like a bunch of times over the next (laughs) however many years. But uh, I basically kind of did my like Goldilocks thing over the years for entertainment. So started to graduate in 2010. I started working in entertainment in 2010 and I was at Boehner by summer 2014. So in between that time, I worked at ICM, which is a large talent agency. I worked at Berlstein Entertainment Partners, which is a large management company. I ended up working at a reality TV production company. I oh worked God. at a network. And at the end of those times, and this was also at a time where, first of all, everybody that I knew from school thought that was insane. There are people that I know that are still at the same firm that they were at when they left. Like that was an unheard of thing. <laughs> and that seemed like, oh my gosh, like job hopping. I feel like job hopping is, is just like the norm now. 
like trying yeah, different Yeah, but back things. in the early 2000s or like 2010s, yeah. it was not a normal thing. It was still yeah. very much that mentality of like, you work for a company for five years and then you see if there's somewhere else that like you can make a lateral move to then move up a new ladder. And that's not how it is at all anymore. Thank God. But yeah, it's a, uh, you were a pioneer. <laughs> and it was so it's, here's another thing is like, I wouldn't have been prepared to go into that environment had I not been so unhappy in the law because that environment was very much like you get paid like, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. You absolutely get paid like can. crap. And, uh, you kind of get treated like crap too, because you're sure replaceable do. and expendable. And so I was working these, you know, low level jobs doing whatever it took and trying to figure out where my skill sets were suited best. And also in those jobs, the expectation wasn't always like, at least for like assistant level and going up to coordinator, you were supposed to be in those roles for a year, but because I was like lap lateraling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, it was like, okay, this is supposed to be maybe a year and then I make a decision and a year and then I make a decision. And so I was just figuring, like I said, figuring it out. And basically and there's got so to, much value in that. There's so there was, much value in that you guys but again, did not feel like it. I just want to say that, that yeah. at the time there were a lot of like, what am I doing here? Am I wrong about my talents? Like lots of questioning, lots of like, what's what's happening here? It just felt like, and also like, keep in mind your age at the time, because I think mm -hmm. I didn't even start to really understand how to hear my own damn intuition until I turned 30. Like, I, I wish that I had learned that as a skill earlier of paying attention, not just to what was making me money or what was giving me clout, which was a really addictive mindset from entertainment of like, well, it's not going to pay you very much, but it's going to make you look real fancy. Yeah. <laughs> like being in a Corona commercial, not going to, not going to pay you much, but you can say you're in a Corona commercial. <laughs> so there <sighs> were like a lot of things like that, that I sort of had to unlearn and realize that if, if I had been better about just freaking paying attention to my body, to my intuition, what was really calling me, what about those jobs were the things that lit me up inside? What about those jobs were the things that I actually hated? Cause sometimes it's not even the whole job that you hate. Yep. It's just like aspects of that job and you know, it's not the fit, but there can be diamonds in the rough in pretty much any job that you do. Oh, 100%. And just like you were saying, it was, it was one of those things with the intuition and at least that law taught me that it wasn't just about the money. I couldn't just do mm -hmm. a job for the money. I needed to feel something else, some kind of satisfaction. Right. And some, and some people meaning. can, and no shade. If you're a person who's like, I just want the, I just want the paycheck. And then I go home at the end of the day, like which is power also awesome. to you. Yeah. That wasn't, I knew that wasn't me and it's still not me, but then going into this, it's like, well, if I'm not going to get paid, well, I'm not going to get treated like crap either. I just wasn't enjoying it. Like I wasn't finding the fit. So trying to make a long story short, I started studying for the GMAT to go to business school because I thought I needed to go to business school to, to work in, at that time I wanted to work, like maybe go to like a Pepsi or a Nestle and be in be like, oh, brand like on management. the brand side. Interesting. And I thought I needed an MBA for that because I had a roommate who she was working at Nestle at the time and they only hired MBAs. So I was like, mm. oh, I need to go to business school for this. And my boyfriend at the time, now husband sent me I didn't know who Gary Vee was, but he sent me a Gary Vee tweet 
that they were opening an LA office and whatever. It was like a non-tweet. He was like, I think you'd like this guy. You don't need to go to business school. Like you have a great degree. Like you don't need that to work and do the kind of thing you want to do. Smart guy. So, so I applied <laughs> to Vayner and I got a job that again, like it was, I just picked something that I thought like, hopefully I'd be qualified for. And they ended up hiring me. And I started there in the summer of uh, 2014. I met Gary in, uh, at the Christmas party. We were on the same trivia team. And- <laughs> That's such a good meet cute. Oh my God. That's your meet cute with Gary Vaynerchuk. I cannot handle that, Brittany. You were on the same trivia team. Yeah. And he was, he, it was actually kind of shocking to meet him because, uh, he, <laughs> he is the way you think he is, but I, I always laugh about this. So the, the Vayner office in LA was super small. It was probably less than 30 people at the time. And we were on, you know, the trivia team together it was me and two other guys. And just as an example of the kind of guy Gary is, um, there was a plate of chicken wings going around and now he's all health conscious and has somebody following him around to like make sure he doesn't eat weird things. But uh, we all, like I ate my chicken wings and you put, you know, the leftover chicken wings on on your like napkin. He went around and ate everybody's eaten chicken wings. (laughs) No joke, Like like he cleaned his wings and then he ate my wings and the two other guys' wings, cleaned them off all night. And I was like, this is the guy that runs our, like we had lovely conversation stuff throughout the night. I can't wait to at him and be like, is this true? Gary Vaynerchuk, the world wants to know. There's an old tweet that I like had eaten chicken wings later. This was uh, at some point after that. And I'd like left the gristle and I sent him a picture of it just on, on Twitter because he would have cleaned them off. But anyway, (laughs) that night when (laughs) I guess I said something that you know, sparked his interest because when he came back the next month, basically he was having meetings with everybody in the office and he was like, you're overqualified for what you do. Like, I, what do you really want to be doing? Mm, very smart I, leader. Very, very smart leader. Ask your people, what do you want to be doing? It was a very smart question. And I think that's one of those things where you don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted to be doing. And during this time, I was actually investigating a, like different areas of the business. And I th- actually think that was a smart thing that I did that now I'm recognizing was smart because mm-hmm. the LA office was a very small version of like the hundreds of people that were in the New York office. So and I knew that there were other, um, there were other things that didn't exist in the LA office. So I was yeah. talking to people in New York, trying to figure out the different things that I could be doing. Very smart. I knew I knew I was doing a good job at the thing I was hired to do, but I knew that wasn't, that wasn't the path. Yeah. So for people who don't it. know, for, I mean, the very few people who may not know what VaynerMedia is, can you briefly say what yeah, VaynerMedia, VaynerMedia is, is, why this is a big deal? So VaynerMedia is, well, now they're a huge, I guess a huge advertising agency, marketing yeah. agency. Now they're like a, he's like a media conglomerate now. VaynerX has a bunch of publications and and different businesses under an umbrella. But really it was a, at the time a, a social media marketing and advertising agency working on large brands. So in the uh, in the LA office, we're working on like Toyota and Fox and- Which for you know, like 2016, 2015, that was like- Oh yeah. You guys were very cutting edge. Oh yeah. People weren't bought in. Like they were still having to go pitch and explain why, why social media is important and something you should be thinking about and focusing on. And, you know, there were other agencies of record at the time doing the, you know, the other stuff. Facebook ads barely existed. 
Oh yeah, no, it was a totally different landscape. Like, and the other people in advertising completely looked down on it. Like that wasn't the thing. It was, it was very different. So it was very ahead of, ahead of its time, but it was so obvious that's where it was. At least it was obvious to me and it was obvious to the yeah. people there that this is where the market was going. And I think Gary was, was good about that. Gary was already just for everyone's context. He had, you know, um, he had become a personality himself through, um, through Wine Library TV, which was on YouTube and making wine accessible to people. He had already had some New York Times bestsellers, was going to put out more. Like he was already a personality. He had been putting out, at, it was the Ask Gary V show, which now he does in different iterations. But he was somebody, but he wasn't, he wasn't who he is today. And I didn't know who he was prior to taking the job. So mm -hmm. after we talked, basically we kind of just talk for the next however many months and he asked me during the conversation even the first one if I would consider moving to New York and so just in general we kept having conversations and finally he was like hey like I'm about to take my personal brand really seriously would you move out to New York for a year I didn't know what and this is one of those things where people are like well what are you going to be doing specifically like what's your job title what's these things and I'm like I don't know all I know is that the CEO of this company my company asked me to move out and I'm going to treat this Basically, I was going to treat it like my MBA year. Yeah. Like that's absolutely. what I was going to do. And, and I also I was pitch him an idea. I thought yeah. I was going to pitch him a business idea at the end. I didn't but, think I was going to go. But how smart it. of him, first of all, that sentence, I don't want to gloss over, uh, that he said, I'm about to take my personal brand really seriously. And that is the perfect segue into what you're doing yeah. now and why first of all, just the power of personal branding in general. Huge. And Gary is like, I mean, you can, you kind of can't have a better example of like someone taking their personal branding seriously and then becoming freaking Gary V or you've worked with Marie Forleo, another huge business personality, public person who has taken personal branding really seriously. And what I love about what you've done is you leveraged that time with Gary to really learn. And then you did end up going out on your own and focusing on how personal branding really affects pretty much every area of life, yes. let alone business. A hundred percent. It opened that job. And I want to say this about timing, like that job wouldn't exist in the iteration it existed now. Yeah. I couldn't have gotten a better training ground for learning every piece that goes into a personal brand. He did set the standard for that. But I talk about this a lot now that I don't think that job was definitely a light bulb moment. But the thing that actually changed everything for me was when I started building my own personal brand. That really yes. was the, yeah. the Ooh, catalyst. Yeah. It was just the catalyst for what my business has become for what the podcast has become for people coming to me for all of these other opportunities that I've had. It wasn't just building brand for others. It was me doing it for myself and applying those things. And I mean, he was such a good, like, it was great to see it, mm -hmm. but then it's like, anybody can, anybody can do this. Anybody can be applying this. I think sometimes people look and they're like, oh, that's for a certain type of talent. That's for a certain type of personality. And it's not, it is for everyone. Everyone needs it. And it has been so clear to me over the last, however many years it's, it's essential. Like everybody has a personal brand. You need to be the one telling your own story and it does open so many doors and it's a great insurance policy. I can't say enough about the power of 
of personal branding for even things that you don't even realize are are possible for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's it's like I was doing the things and putting out the podcast and just kind of having those I wasn't doing it to like get client. I wasn't doing it with a purpose, mm-hmm. but even without doing it with like a full intentional purpose that I knew exactly what I wanted out of it, I was getting things entering my world that I could start figuring out and because things I didn't foresee. It. I couldn't yeah. have predicted it. Absolutely. So if someone is feeling like, okay, I've heard this phrase personal brand, but to be honest, I don't fully know what that means. What would you say to that person? I mean, it is squishy, but I do think of it as, I do think of your personal brand as a tangible asset, even though it's an intangible and it ultimately is your reputation, but it's both your reputation online and offline. It's when people Google you, it's when you Google you, what do you see? What are people, it's not only what you want out there, but it's also what they're thinking. So people like to say it's what people say when you leave the room. Mm. It's also, if you're not in the room, it's, can they find you? Can you find and be found? And so it's just like your, it is your overall, I would say reputation. I like that. It like transcends everything. It's like, personally and professionally now the online space has changed everything so it's like if you have the ability and what's so great if you have the ability to to control some of those aspects why wouldn't you do you dream about people coming to your website and telling you I cannot wait to work with you. I've been looking for this forever. I feel like I already know you. Can I please pay you to help me? Or maybe you just want to feel more confident when you sit down to write something for your business, knowing your words aren't just evaporating into the ether of the internet, but instead are connecting with your ideal customers. Look, after years as a freelance copywriter, I can very confidently tell you that no matter what business you're in, great copy turns words on the page into dollars in the bank, just like magic, which is why I want to make sure you know that my signature course copy class is currently open for enrollment. Now, here's the thing. You can hire a professional copywriter. But honestly, that could cost you thousands and it just doesn't make sense to hire someone every freaking time you need to write something for your business, which is why I specifically designed copy class for non-writers, entrepreneurs who want to learn to write their own high converting copy without breaking the bank or spending hours staring at the blinking cursor of death. Copy class covers everything you need to know from the psychology behind why certain writing works to honing in on your actual ideal customer, AKA people who are truly going to give you their monies to how to write a website that converts start to finish. And finally, how to send emails that convert and sell. So if you want to learn more about copy class, see what's inside and hear from past students, head to kelseyforemost.com slash copy class. That's kelseyforemost.com slash C-O-P-Y-C-L-A-S-S. Oh my gosh. Well said. I think to personal branding for me, my personal definition of it is how do I want people to feel 
when they hear my name or see my materials out in the world. Like when they go to kelseyformos.com or when they listen to Find Your Magic or when they go to Kelsey Writes on Instagram, how do they feel when they're presented with something that has my name on it? And everything, because I understand how powerful it is to think about that before I put things out into the world, um, it has completely changed the way that I do business. Before I started thinking about personal branding, I was very much like, well, asterisk, because as an actor, you have to look really deep for what makes you unique as a person and a human being uh, before you can put yourself out on casting websites or like understand what parts you want to be seen for. So you really have to know like, okay, what's my headshot going to look like, or what clothes am I going to wear in that headshot? And, um, what kinds of parts like would people be pitching me for? So I did have like an unwitting background in personal branding simply from being an actor. But what really fucked with my head was going from acting where you're plugging yourself into roles, like pre-written roles that other people have predetermined to true personal branding as an entrepreneur where you are in control and having that moment of, well, God, who am I actually? Who do I want to be? How do I want to present just myself to the world? It's actually quite vulnerable. You can go real existential if you want to. Oh, it is. And just like you were saying, it is all positioning. And I do think we've all done we all have some form of personal brand experience. If you've applied for a job, if you've done, it's all positioning. Like, and here's the thing with that kind of thing where you actually are, when you are applying for a job, just like you were saying, when you're going on to like a casting, you know the audience that you're appealing to and you can do that research. So that way you can kind of position yourself in a way that's, you know, that they want to interview you or to get the job. And so I think it's something similar here where I talk about this, a lot, I feel like ad nauseum I say this, but personal branding ultimately isn't about you. And I think mm. that's also what people need to wrap their heads around because what you were saying is to you, personal branding is how you make people feel, how they feel when they they like encounter your brand. And I completely agree. But I think that's a hard jump if people are super new where mm. they're like, oh, the how do I make them feel? It's almost like it's almost like you need to get past like this other part first. I always talk about there being an internal part and an external part. Ooh, I like that. Say more, say more. So when I walk people through how to get clear on their personal brand, you need to start with like what you want and who you are and who you want to be serving and all, and your why and all of these different things. Even if you don't know the answers to those questions, Mm -hmm. you need to start the investigation process. So that way you can be putting yourself out there in a way to the right people who'd appreciate and actually feel that way. Because even when you're talking about how you make people feel, you're not going to make every, people are too broad. Like you have your audience. And so there's a specific audience that you care about making them feel that way because not everybody's going to like you. Like that's just the way it is. Lots of people get turned off by my peach pink nerd talk, like personal brand. And that's great. Those are not my people. That's not my like ideal client. I, and it like really helps me actually be more successful and make more money because when people who are aligned with me come to my website and see like, Ooh, I love the sort of peach and white and black. And like, this makes me feel like feminine and empowered. That's how I hope they see it. 
um, then the right people are giving me their money a lot faster. (laughs) Basically personal branding, like doing it right is having those right people get the immediate yes. So it's, they feel the way you want them to feel, but like immediately it's like, they stop on your website, they go to your social media, whatever. And they're like, you're my people. That's like, that is the goal. That's like the dream. So I think that takes a little bit of of massaging and, and work on the inside and also testing on the outside. So that's what I say with the internal and the external, because you need to put it out there. Cause at the end of the day, you can't, I would say you can't think your way to clarity. Like you Ooh, actually need yeah. to go through the process. Yes. And answer the questions and go through that. But then you also need to like update your website and update your bio and ask people questions and get their feedback, whether you like it or not. Like it always involves people. Like you can't avoid it. And please also pay attention to your copy. (laughs) You guys know I wasn't going to let you get away from a, from a conversation on personal branding without talking about copywriting, which is a huge part of your personal brand, um, your brand voice, how you talk to people, how you communicate. Do you swear? Do you not swear? Do you talk in short sentences? Do you write more essay style? Like there's so many things with your copy that really feed into that personal brand piece. So don't forget your copy. <laughs> I think we hit it off because we had, we were part of a bundle where my clarity course and your copy class, we both kind of took each other, we both took each other's courses. And yeah. it's like, these are so simpatico because you need the clarity. And that's the thing. It's like, you need the clarity of at least answering the questions before you can really like it really helps you figure out your copy. If you have this idea of the, who you are and what you do and why you do it. And even if it's, yeah, not the final. Yeah. I always say personal branding is an evolution. Even if it's not your final landing place, being able to hire people to help you, you can't just hire somebody to do your social media. If you're not clear on your own brand, you can't hire people for your business. If you're not clear on your own brand, you can't write the best copy or the sales pages or create product. So it's like, that's kind of the like it is just step one, not just from really like putting is. out content on, on the internet. It's just in general, from a business perspective, you need to have those pieces. It completely is. I really think personal branding is the foundation of entrepreneurship. Like you really can't do anything else successfully if you're not clear on that piece. And I'm That's always confused when goes. people don't, I get that people sometimes want to avoid it, but it's like, if you created this business and you have that passion for it, mm-hmm. you should want to be out there talking about how great it is or like why you built this thing. Like, like that should light you up and get you excited. And if it doesn't, that's, there's definitely something to look into there. I don't know that's if, information. how long you'll be in business. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I also think it's important to note that personal branding is different than just branding. Like mm-hmm. you can't just go to a, you know, random brand consultant or someone to like build, like here are your colors and here are some fonts good luck, like templatized brand. That's not going to be nearly as successful as if you do what Brittany's talking about and ask yourself those deeper questions and have it come from somewhere. You can't just put up a pretty website and expect it to convert. There's all those pieces of making you show up in a unique way so that you reach a niche market and exactly what Brittany said, help them immediately feel like you are my people. But it's also you showing up. And I love that you encourage this with the copy about you being authentic, like using your own voice, because for me, so I always say that there's three parts, every successful, this works for every brand too, but every successful personal brand has three elements. 
The first is clarity. The second is consistent content. And the third is a community piece, building that community. You cannot do the consistent content and the consistency without really without having your voice nailed down or without using your own voice. There are so many people. And I, I remember when I was doing the client thing, I would just, I would say no, especially when I was working just with people where it was like, well, come in and like, I don't actually make content or do that for anyone anymore. It's been years mm -hmm. since I've done that. But basically they were like, well, can you just take over and just like, you know, do my voice and do all these things. And it's like, no, if you're the expert, it's like, it needs to sound like you. You can't just swap one person out to, and then oh bring someone else in to be posting on your expertise and not develop that voice because that's what makes the personal brands that people follow um, amazing. So the reason that, and I like to be clear about this, I'd like, I'll just use Gary as an example, but the reason that worked is because Gary already had a super established voice. So you cannot outsource your voice until you have, you've established it. And so even with copywriting, it's like, yeah, there's things you can do and you can have people help you and help you scale, but you need to establish your voice and have a perspective first and have things that people can at least mimic so you can check and definitely check it before it goes out. <laughs> yeah. Don't just like, I just don't get people. I, I get that people just want to outsource it because they think that they hate it, but this is a representation of you and your work and your business and whatever else you do, because influence is transferable. Whatever business you're in now, maybe you won't want to, you'll want to rebrand, you'll want to do something different. Maybe you'll pivot, maybe you'll do something else. And again, it's about like, why wouldn't you want to put out what you want to put out instead of just trusting someone to put out whatever, whatever they think is best for you and your brand. Like it needs to come from you and be authentic. Oh I don't care that authentic is an overplayed word. That That is what it is. There's no other word for it. Brittany, <laughs> I feel like you just took me to church. Like <laughs> I literally feel like I just heard the best sermon. If you guys aren't watching this on YouTube, you didn't see, I was like leaning back with jazz hands, like hallelujah. And while she was talking, I got to write that down. You cannot outsource your brand voice if you don't establish it in the first place. If I may step onto your so well-built soapbox for Please. just one moment, <laughs> I, I feel so passionate about this. You guys, even if at some point you end up outsourcing your copywriting to a professional whenever, like sometime down the line in your career, do not start by hiring someone else to write your copy. Do not start there. Please, I beg you, learn to write your own copy. And if you need help with it, go to kelseyformos.com slash copy class. And I will literally walk you through how to do it. You do not, this is the biggest misconception. You do not have to be a quote unquote writer to write copy. Copy is just, you just are writing how you talk. That's it. You're just talking to people, how you normally talk in real life. That's all good copy is, is you're just writing how you talk. And yes, there are psychological magic tricks that make people more likely to make a decision like following you or subscribing or buying. Yes, of course, there are those little magic tricks, but the core of what makes copy great is again, I know we're beating it over the head, but authenticity and just being yourself. Learn to write your own copy first. 
your business will thrive. Your ideal clients will feel like they know you because they do, because you're talking to them. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) No, it's so true. The easiest way to be consistent is to have your own voice and the way that you talk and people get very hung up. And I, I completely understand why they get hung up on it. I completely understand that they want to know the hack or the trick or the thing to say to get the sale, but it, it works because they're buying from you and it works because that's the connection to the personality and it is the hack. And it's, it's, it's so funny because of the people I've worked with, what works, I see all of these sad, like second rate versions trying to be the people I've worked with. And it's like, no, they work because they're them. And that's why, like, for me, my whole thing is like, at this point, I have my own established voice. You get what you get. And once you lean into being you, you can't take it back. And I know for some people, it actually takes a little bit of practice first. And I think that's something that I'd like to point out to people. If you're not used to personal branding and you don't have, you're like, oh, I don't have my established voice yet. You just need to get comfortable putting that out there and it will come. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you maybe look at other people for inspiration and you're like, okay, but eventually if you keep putting it out there, you'll come up with your own voice. Like for me, I actually started developing my personal brand really when I was working for Gary because I had to write in his voice. Mm -hmm. So I was writing his articles in his voice. And as I'm writing it, I'm like, I have opinions on this. Mm -hmm. I have thoughts on this. They're not at all. I have a completely different voice, a completely different like way of speaking and writing and all of those things. And so then I wanted to share my perspective. So then I started doing that on my platforms. Right. And I think that's, you just kind of got to, and I'm sure this is how you do it too, where it's like, you've got to start putting it out there in order to start shaking it out. Completely. You got to, you got to put the training wheels on and just fucking go down the hill. Um, But luckily Brittany has created an amazing course that, as she mentioned, I have personally taken and personally stand behind. It's called the Clarity Course. And do you want to just give a brief description of what people are going to find in the Clarity Course? Because if you are listening to this conversation going, I totally want to get into this personal branding thing, but I really don't know where to start. Clarity Course is a great place to start. It is So the number one mistake I see across the board with people who, even if they have like larger personal brands, but they're not getting the results that they want, lack of clarity is pretty much always the reason that that's happening. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that people don't know. That's the reason why they think it's like some other growth hack that they need, but it's not. And so basically I've developed this proven process through my years of experience doing this with the biggest brands and with now thousands of entrepreneurs, like do it with myself. I actually did the clarity course exercises myself, no joke, a few weeks ago, because that's what I use. That's what works. And so this works, whether you're advanced or whether you're just getting started and it doesn't matter where you are in your business, but basically it is my process for getting clear on your personal brand. So that way you can attract your ideal audience who's ready to buy whatever it is you're selling, like services, programs, products, offers without the hard sell. It's really about yeah. being, getting yourself to a place of frankly, authenticity. So I walk you through like the different steps to get you clear on exactly what you do and what you want to be known for your target audience, who you want to be doing it for specifically, because that's a big conversation that we were having where you want to, you need to make sure that you're talking to the right people and that they are feeling the way that you want them to feel, but you also need to know who you want to feel that way. And so 
Also very importantly, <laughs> being specific on, you know, why those folks should care and we get into like nailing your why. So that way you can serve from a place of integrity and your niche, especially if you're multi-passionate and the unique value oh, that's that a good, you offer. That's a really good point. This is a really good course. Like she said, clarity is so important. It's a really good course. If you're one of those people who's like, I serve more than one person, mm -hmm. or I have more than one offer that I feel like, like I can't really nail down that ideal customer avatar ICA thing, like clarity courses are really good for that too, which it really helped me. It really helped me get much clearer on, okay, who's my number one audience? Yep. Who do I really want to talk to? Even though my offers are for slightly different needs, it's all about gaining that clarity, like that overall clarity. And yeah, it's so helpful. It's and so it's, helpful. It's one of those things where it works, um, because I want you guys to be able to communicate clearly and have that clarity to also, because people will start with like, oh, I'm going to buy this Instagram Reels class, or I'm going to buy this YouTube class. You need this piece for any of that to work. Yeah. Your Instagram's like, you're just posting on Instagram. You're like, it's not working. You need to start here and you'll mm -hmm. probably figure out very quickly why that's not working. Yeah. And so people jump to these other things and it's like, no, you need this foundational piece and then you can take it with you. And it's something what I loved about the building the course. So I'm like, okay, like you're going to revisit this every quarter. It's, yeah. it's timeless and it helps you stay on track because maybe your products or your different things have changed or you've offered something different. You're like, okay, I can use this to apply to that or like it me, affects like everything. Your brand's going to change. So you, you, this isn't like, oh, I'm going to do this once. And like, that's, that's it. Like, no, right. you're going to change. You're going to evolve. Your business is going to change. You're going to do it every quarter and check in and, and make sure that you're putting out the messaging that you want to put out there. So you can grow your business or do whatever. Maybe you want to start speaking. Maybe just there's, I know a whole world opens once you actually start doing it. I love that. What a great place to wrap up and all of Brittany's offers. There's going to be links down below in the show notes. So don't worry about writing it down. Don't crash your car, trying to, <laughs> trying to write it down while you drive. Everything is in the show notes and also up on my blog at kelseyformos.com slash blog. You'll see this up there, Brittany. I am just so grateful for you. I'm so glad that we became internet friends. <laughs> Me too. And I hope everybody checks out, send you the link, Kelsey's interview on Beyond Influential because it was yeah. very actionable. So Aww, thanks. I know I really did give a lot of, I think email in particular, a lot of email copywriting tips on that one. So I'll put that link down below. Thanks for it the shout great. out. <laughs> and if anybody wants to find me, brittanycrystal.com. I made myself very easy to find everywhere. It's true. <laughs> Brittany Crystal everywhere, everywhere on all the things. Brittany Crystal, she's the best. You heard it here first or second or 17th because she's kind of famous. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here on this episode of Find Your Magic. Brittany, we love you. Take hey, care, Magic everyone. Maker. If you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.